Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and good night. Where'd that come from? The Truman Show. Okay, no, yeah, Truman Show greeting here. Kevin Mosley, associate head of school, uh, here for another uh, podcast. It's been a little while, guys. Been about a month um, since we've been together. But as as always, I'm joined here by Ron Littleton and and Will Weaver. And today we're talking about another principle of Christian education. And this being that the basis, really, when you get down to it, the basis of Christian education has to be the Word of God. Yep. And um, we just had a debate here whether we should say primacy or primacy of Scripture. We all three said primacy, and uh, you, Will, you you and your ultimate wisdom said you believe that's more, primacy is more of an American enunciation of the yes. pronunciation of the word. So. Primacy is more European. Yes, British English. British English. So. Okay, so we'll say primacy, but for those of you good, nice American folks who want us to say primacy, you'll just be out of luck today. So we're talking about the primacy of Scripture, and that is a core value of Legacy Christian, and it's really one that we've adopted, Mr. McGee's adopted this year as kind of a focus for us. When we say primacy of Scripture, Ron, what's one of the first things that come to your mind when we're talking in the context of Christian education and what we are doing and what parents would expect by bringing their kids to a place like Legacy? Well, one of the things that comes to my mind is not just that how important it is, but how ultimately important it is. Mm-hmm. That it's not just something that we need to make kind of first, but it's it's the overarching idea of everything we, every decision we make, every every. Uh, every one of our uh, uh, classes that we have, that it's not just that the Bible is, but the Bible actually, it's not that I have to quote Scripture in every, every class or anything, but it's that the, the Bible is what actually motivates me and actually guides me in however I learn. Right. And so, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to my, my mind is thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Mm. So it's just, that's an old King James Version, by the way. <laughs> Um, so that would be primacy. Uh, so uh, looking at it, uh, I think that that's where we are. Uh, it's you know if we're going to be a Christian school, uh, then the Bible ought to be ultimate in everything we do and say. Right. And I talk a little bit in in the blog today about you know back in the 1600s or colonial times, what we want to call it. You know, really that you looked at ultimate reality was defined by God and ultimate truth was defined by the word of God, scripture, you know, general and special revelation as revealed. Um, so, and we know that uh, because the scripture actually talks about how it's revealed in creation. The truth is revealed right. there and it's also revealed in the, in the life of Christ, which is given to us through the scripture and the actual inspired word of God. Um, so we, t- we talk about that, and it's completely shifted now to everything is personally relative in a postmodern society. I define mm-hmm. my own truth. I define my own reality. I mm-hmm. set that up. And it kind of moved from, from this idea of God to, to reason, to science, to, and, it's, and, and now we're just at this, it's just what everybody wants mm-hmm. it to be, free self-defined free-for-all. You yeah. want to talk about that a little bit in yeah. terms of the challenge we have now in society mm-hmm. versus you know, having something firm like the Word of God and the, and, and the person of God to help define truth and reality? Yeah, I think, I think to best understand that, we have, to, we have to go back to the beginning. And I would go back to the garden and, and see that this, is, this isn't a new issue for us, right? If we look at Adam and Eve in the garden and, and the first sin, right, of, of season, we have the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's, that's that one thing there. And what is it that Adam and Eve are doing 
in seizing and taking that fruit. They're they're seizing autonomy, right? They're they are seeking to define right and wrong on their own terms, mm. apart from God, seeking to place themselves in, in God's place. And so that has been the ultimate fallen state of humanity from from essentially the outset there. And so we see that play itself out down through history, but it really it really takes off if we're talking about a you know potentially a, a post-Christian West, mm-hmm. um, a, a definitely a post-modern West, and that is just the fruition of what we see back in the garden. We're just we're taking exactly what Adam and Eve set up as the fallen state of humanity, except for we've removed the cultural influence of God's word. Mm-hmm. And the church, the all church and yes. all those institutions that, that God has ordained and established to uh, to speak his truth into culture, to speak to right. speak light and into culture. And as those things as those things wane or are weakened, uh, or their influence is mm-hmm. weakened, those all those institutions um, stumble or in some places just outright give up well even the institution of marriage which god sure. ordained is right. is, is mm-hmm. beginning to to do the same thing it's just the continue mm-hmm. working out of just how depraved man is how depraved mm-hmm. creation is as and it's just it's it's longing and yearning scripture said it's yearning yeah. for the day that it can be redeemed that's right so uh so that's a very very good point i want to get a little bit practical here for our families a little and how and we do this with our with our students particularly in the high school um when we when we start trying to get them see scripture, I, I want to talk a little bit about the reliability of scripture, how trustworthy it is. Uh, we talk about that a lot, and that how it is, it, the historicity of the Bible, and and how it can be be trusted. And I know, Ronnie, you talk a lot about when we look at the standard that we would use, say to evaluate ancient manuscripts and to say whether they're valid or not, or even things that we base our history textbooks on, and and. When you compare that to the trustworthiness of Scripture, it is like night and day. And yet people don't realize that it's the most it's it's the bestseller of bestsellers. It's so it's so much the bestseller that it doesn't even show up on the bestseller list. They stopped showing it a long time ago. People don't understand how influential the Bible has been throughout and still stands the test of time. It's been attacked more than any 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 ancient manuscripts we ever had. People have been looking for errors in it for years and years and years. And when they think they find one, later on they discover something right. in archaeology that brings it back. Talk about the trustworthiness of the Scripture, Ronnie, compared to other manuscripts. And wow, we can really trust it yeah. as a history book even. Oh, well, I, that's the way I approach it. So in my class, we start off with who God is and can we know that He exists. And then we get to the Bible. And what I want to show is just that the Bible is a reliable historical book. We treat it like we would treat any other historical book. Now, how would we do that? Well, I, I look at non-biblical sources. So I go to all these non-Christian, non-biblical sources. And in doing so, we come up with basically the whole story of Jesus uh, as it's reported in Scripture with not, not as many details as Scripture is going to give me, right. but it's going to give me the same thing, mm-hmm. that Jesus lived a virtuous life. He was a miracle worker. He died on the cross. It was reported that He rose from the grave. All the things that we would look at is say, the essentials. So we look at the non-biblical sources, and we get the basic same picture as the Bible does. Mm-hmm. And then we look at archaeology that you just mentioned, and archaeology overwhelmingly mm-hmm. shows 
how true the writers knew what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Then we, you talked about manuscript. The most verified book, ancient book of all time, uh, from a manuscript point of view, is the scriptures. There are thousands upon thousands of, uh, for the Old Testament. Then we get to the New Testament, there are thousands of, of New Testament manuscripts in Greek. Then if you go to other things that they were translated to very early, mm. the number gets more and more and more. And now we have a trustworthiness in how it was been handed down through the ages. Right. We can actually test and do the test. And then we go to the eyewitness testimony. And we look at the eyewitness testimony. And what's cool is you read the scriptures and you just start going through and reading and look at... Uh, how they tell on themselves. Mm. They make embarrassing testimony. Right. I mean, mm. look at Peter being called Satan by Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Mm. I've had a few kids I wanted to say that to, but you can imagine <laughs> Jesus calling you that. Yes, right. exactly. you know? right. So you think about that, that's in there. That's so embarrassing. But it's not just that. It's, it's all the things that the early disciples, they just were dim-witted about everything they did. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's recorded that way because... Um, that's the way it really happened. Right. And they're not, if they were going to make up a story, then make themselves look better than they do. Right. Right. And, and, and you can even go and start talking when you see this, people start doing, you know, some mathematical calculations on the, the probability of the prophecies that were given coming yeah. true over time. It's staggering yeah. the probability that something could be prophesied and then come true so many times over and over again. So we could go on and on, but that just gives an idea of them to understand and our parents and our students to continue to understand. You can trust the scriptures. It, 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 that may be the only thing you can trust in yeah. some ways. Cause, and we trust things about Julius Caesar, and we don't have near as much about Julius Caesar as we do about Christ, the church, it, all of these things that we have. Well, ultimately where we know that the scripture is telling the truth is ultimately in the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and if we could look and see how historically Jesus rose from the dead, and we can show that as a real historical event. Right. And I think it's easy to do, not just from scripture, but we look outside of scripture and we see that this event is the one event that really changes the world. Well split and, time into in a lot of ways. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah. And and so um and without that, we of all people are most to be pitied. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we wouldn't be here. That's I mean, right. we, if if the if the resurrection was just something that was made up, that would have been exposed years right. and years and years ago. Right. We wouldn't be here because it's what what did what did it cost the original disciples? Everything. Yep. And who the, dies for a lie, right? Right. <laughs> um, one another thing, Will, and I know you do this because you teach. You know our. Um, our history class, and you do it from a biblical lens, and we talk about that. So you 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 really approach the Bible as a history book. And and one thing, and, and this is just a pet peeve of mine, and you and I have talked about this, but um, a lot of people, and, and you know, Disney and others have taken, you know, I, and I used to love Veggie Tales, but I now despise that. I despise it because what we're doing is we're taking the true account of what happened historically, and we're in some ways making a fable out of it, right. you know, where, and, and, and I hear even pastors talk about the Bible story mm-hmm. or characters in the story, and right. it gives a sense to our kids that it's just a story, like a bedtime story you tell. And, and, and we need to talk about the account. We need to right. talk about, talk, you mentioned that you really emphasize this in your yes. class. Can you share with our, with our families 
in this ninth grade Bible history class, right. how do you approach tearing down that that the fabulization, if you will, of, of, of Scripture? We well, so history in and of itself, getting getting students to relate to history, to relate to something outside of their own time period, outside of what they can see and touch and taste and feel, is difficult in and of itself. But if we're sitting down and saying, I need you to understand that what we're reading here together in Scripture is about real people at a real place, at a real time, doing real things that really mattered, and here is God meeting them in history. If their only conception of that is that it's a cartoon, Mm. if that's the only way they can see it, then we've robbed them of something. Mm. Because we use words like story, and we use words like characters, and I, I won't do that. Right, that, that I'm like you. That drives me crazy. We we will say narrative, right? We will the say this historical right? account. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to use phrases with something so historically imprecise that you know. You hear people say this. Like, well, in Bible times, they that drives me insane. That's yeah. the least descriptive phrase in in history ever. Right. When we're talking about a, a text written over such a long period of time in such a, a broad variety of geographical locations with different cultural practices. But that's taking us back to, that's, and that's what my course does. We have got to get to understanding the historical context of that, that these texts were produced in. They are describing real events in real places, and we, we, just, we do our, our kids a disservice if we even give them the, the inkling that this is fable, mm. that this is... Um, you know, imagination, because that's exactly what we think. As soon as you say, as soon as you say story, and as soon as you say characters in a story, mm. and then you make it a cartoon, that's where everybody's brain goes. And we're already going to be fighting against that, anyways. Yes. Why would we shoot ourselves in the foot? Right. And not set our students up for success. Yeah. You know? Just a, a proper framing of what we're doing here right. and how and how that works is very important. And listen, we you we could probably sit here and talk another hour and a half, and, oh, yeah. and still just just on, be, that. just on that right there could be huge. So just as a takeaway for you at home, if you've got little kids, uh, be careful how you set them up to view scripture as a story. Uh, let's let's say, hey, this really happened. I'm going to tell you an account of real people in a real time in a real place. That could be very very foundational to a young person's understanding. Um, moving forward right. and being and I, a good partner. I mean, I would I would say it, it's not to discount that there is a, a narratival aspect to it because I think that, that that is true because the things that we think of as the elements of a story, we're just reflecting what God has built into the world, right? right. There, that there's going, to be, there's going to be struggle and there's going to be tension and there's going to be you know, this climax and there's going to be resolution. And, and so that's built into us to expect that. And we should not be surprised when we see it playing itself out in history. Right. But we have to be clear that we're still talking about real people, right. real yeah, places. We're not talking about Marvel characters. That's right. right. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I think that actually that's the way it comes across because yes. the kids mm-hmm. uh, that I've talked to, they, it's like, oh, this is a real story. Right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and and you forget that they've they haven't seen it mm-hmm. as real. So if it's if it's not real history, then what is it? You know, right. Then it's fable. Then it's fable. And and, and you certainly isn't. don't base your life on a fable. No, that's you right. Don't. Yeah, and Samson isn't a superhero. 
right? <laughs> no, know? not at all. And and these these people that we see in Scripture, while we have some while we have some instances of faithful obedience to God in service, the overwhelming majority are real sinful fallen people making mistakes. Right. And it's, it's they're not being set yeah. up for us to to worship. Right. And, and I think that's and again going back to that, that's one of the reasons I think we can trust the Bible because right. it shows us. Of the good, bad, and the ugly. It's yeah. it, that we make mistakes. That's right. And that, that's why Jesus had to come. And, and that's why the resurrection is real. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope you... Uh, Hope you. This has been great for you as you've been listening. We we've certainly enjoyed sharing just thoughts and pontifications and <laughs> a little humor along the way. We really enjoy teaching your kids. Um, we're glad that you're partnering with us and and that we all can say, look, we want to base what we do and and how we do it on who God is and and He's real that He exists um, and that Jesus came and He died on the cross and He. And he rose again for our sins, but also that, and we know that because of the truth of Scripture and the reliability of it. So thank you for joining us. And until next time, uh, God bless you.